Make our minds, hearts, and souls the fertile soil of the gospel, that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Lord, illuminate for us these scriptures. Convict and console our hearts. Reveal to us the face of the Father. And speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I want to um, kind of use Father's Day as a, as a launching pad for my homily today. And what I'll be speaking about is, is applicable to fathers, is applicable to mothers, and really to all of us in different aspects of our life. We begin, I want to begin with a quote from the book of Sirach, where it says this, God sets a father in honor over his children and confirms a mother's authority over her sons and daughters. God sets a father in honor over his children and confirms a mother's authority over her sons and daughters. It's this this natural authority that's given to parents of their children, and then of Christian parents, even a particular supernatural grace and anointing. Now, we ask ourselves the question, what does authority really mean? What is the Christian notion of authority? I think the, sometimes our popular notion of authority is someone who has you know, this, this power and they're really kind of using it for themselves or they're kind of pressing me down. It's like an oppressive kind of aspect that's there. But the truth is that the, the Christian, the biblical notion of authority, we can understand a little bit if we look at the Latin root word for authority. It's octor. Octor. One of the definitions of octor is to, to cultivate. To cultivate. That one who has been given authority over something or someone, that it is not about them to do what they want to do or them to press down or them to use it selfishly, but it is actually a, that they have been given the responsibility of cultivating what is in their authority. We can look at Adam and Eve before the fall that they were set over the earth as stewards of it. The Lord's creation, they were stewards to cultivate what the Lord had been given, that it might bear the fruit that God intends and that God desires. We think of Jesus. Jesus says, I have come not to be served, right? That that's not what Jesus' authority is about. It's not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so parents that this authority that the Lord gives you over your children is really a responsibility to cultivate the life of God within them. That it's really about being able to cultivate on the natural level the virtues, the moral virtues, and so that, that your child will grow in virtue and character. And then on the supernatural level, the, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, and sanctification, configuration to Jesus Christ. It's this cultivating, setting in the soil, and what needs to be, what needs to be present. Sometimes that cultivation is tender, sometimes it is strong, 
protecting, providing, encouraging virtue, spiritual life. Now, all of us, again, whether we are mothers or fathers, but that on some level the Lord has placed people in our path, that we too, like this, it's the responsibility that the Lord has, the folks have placed in our path to cultivate a space, to cultivate their heart, to cultivate that environment, that they might grow in deeper communion with Christ and become the men and women and the saints that the Lord has called them to be. And so what are, how can we do that practically? Again, looking specifically at, at fathers and mothers, but then all of us in general. When we just look at the fundamental teachings of Jesus, when they asked him, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This making the Lord first. Making Jesus the Lord of our life. Like, being very, very intentional. Jesus is talking about here. He says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And all the tangible aspects and the things of our life, our physical health is important. Our economic health is important. The relationships that we have with other people and, and honor and all those things, great. Those are all very good things. But they are all underneath being in right relationship with the Lord himself. They're all underneath Ultimately, our eternal salvation. I guess he first is the Lord first. So that begins by this interior life of prayer, of praying daily. Praying not just to go through the motions, but to develop a real, deep, intimate relationship with the Lord so that it changes me. It changes me. The things are happening. And then exteriorly, but with that interior aspect, they come together like the sacramental life of the church. Rooting ourselves in the Eucharist going to confession consistently that I like really cultivating in my own heart, in my own life, the life of grace and the life of Jesus Christ. The movement and the power of the Holy Spirit. For parents, that will sanctify you. And your children will see it. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. None of us are. But as we're giving ourselves over to the life of discipleship, over to the life of grace, then, then it does sanctify us and it changes. And then to begin to invite your children into that, celebrating the sacraments with you, praying with you. Those studies have shown, recent studies in the last couple of years, that the number one factor of a child remaining in the faith of their parents is that did, did the family have spiritual conversations at home? Like within the home, is, is the faith so much a part of the life that, that you speak about what we've prayed about? That you speak about the gospel of the weekend? That you look at the, the world through the lens of the gospel and you talk about right now, hey, the pandemic that's going on, the issue of racism, the, 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 the issue of violence and all the things. Like, how do we look at that? How do we look at that through the gospel? Not just through what the Republican Party says or the Democrat Party says or whomever else, but the gospel. The gospel says. And we're talking about that and how, how that affects us, how that changes, how the people that we encounter in, in our faith life and that we're praying together and chewing on the scriptures. What does this particular gospel mean? And then this is not only within our families, but in our friends, 
in our community to do this. Secondly, from loving the Lord is to love others. Right? We, the gospel tells us we can't love the Lord whom we don't see if we don't love our neighbor who we do see. Love of God and love of neighbor intimately connected. And so speaking to, to parents, in a particular way, to love your children well and to cultivate virtue within them, one main aspect of that is loving your spouse well. Like showing fidelity, mercy, and honor, and sacrifice, and forgiveness, and love. It's right in front of your children's face. How you treat your spouse, what that relationship was like, it's, it educates, cultivates, right? None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We're all, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. People ask me, like, hey, Father, what do you want me to pray for you for? I'm like, my conversion, always. Like, always. <laughs> I need deeper conversion. And, but so, in, again, not just in within the family, but in our friend relationships or our siblings or our coworkers or the community, how we treat other people is huge. And I want to I use a specific thing as well, too. Like, within the family, um, we need to watch how we speak about other family members to other family members. You can think of a, one spouse, one parent, speaking to their child about the other parent. If it's consistently kind of negatively, then what, what is the child going to think? Gosh, when I'm not around, what, what does mom and dad think about me? Do they, do they really, right? Is, is they really like loving me the way that they're saying and that they are? Again, none of us are perfect, but just to take a little bit of the examination, like is that a habitual thing in my life? Then, then I need to, to redirect that. I need to redirect that. Forgiveness is huge in all relationships. When we're speaking within the family, I mean, I don't know about you, um, but... I, I didn't live with my family. I had four seminarians with me over a six-week period uh, during the pandemic. But I've talked to a lot of folks with their family. Like, family time was great. And I think we killed a couple of, uh, you know, folks in my family. Like, well, what's going on? It's difficult. The church talks about family as a school of love. School of love. I mean, like a school of virtue. Like, hey, you need to learn patience? Here you go. Class is in session, right? Sometimes school is fun, sometimes it's not. But, but learning to forgive, to bear wrongs patiently, to be merciful. When we do these things within the family, spouses particularly to each other, then it cultivates a space for the children, children to each other with the rest of the family. It just cultivates this space for us to grow in sanctification and virtue with the Lord. And so when we hold on to hurts, when we hold on to things that have bothered us, it, it grows bitterness and resentment, and it comes out sideways all over the place. Forgiveness is very hard, but the Lord pours his grace into our hearts to be able to move down that path. Another thing, loving the person for who they are and not who we want them to be, which doesn't mean that we can't have honest forthright conversations about things that need to change. But if we're, if we're 
constantly have these expectation of someone to be something that they are currently not, then, then we're not going to love them well as they are. It's hard to be examining, examining our own minds, our own hearts. Parents loving your children, siblings loving each other. And then another aspect of, lo- of loving others is loving the poor. Jesus identifies himself with the poor. The church speaks about a preferential option for the poor because of Jesus' identification with them. That whatever we've done to the least of our brothers and sisters, we've done to and for the Lord. Whatever we've not done for our least brothers and sisters, we have not done to and for the Lord. And what, what serving the poor and loving the poor outside of our own loving the Lord, what it does for those within our family, what if it does for those around us, is it cultivates an environment of generosity and gratuitousness of love. The love is not about a transaction. That's not love. Hey, I'm going to give you this, and you're going to give this back to me. But when you're loving the poor and serving the poor, it is much more tangibly, I give this. Freedom. Without expectation of return. And sometimes we need to pray and work our way through that and all the things. Of like, well, gosh, I do have some expectation. Of it, but like, it, it, it grows that the virtue within us of generosity and gratuitousness. And then it cultivates a space for our children, our siblings, our friends, our family, our community to, to do the same. So then we're circling back on here of what Sirach tells us. God sets a father in honor over his children and confirms a mother's authority over her sons and daughters. Authority is not about you doing what I want you to do and serving me, but authority is a responsibility that's given to cultivate the good. And within people, it is to cultivate the moral virtues and the spiritual life. We will become the saints whom the Lord has created us to be. When we think of these words of Jesus in the gospel as well, as I'm living my life and trying to love God and love others by, by cultivating this within myself and, and within the, those whom the Lord has put in my responsibility under my authority, do I have greater concern for my health, for my economic well-being, for the esteem of others, which are all important good things. They're good, very important. Do I have greater concern there than over my eternal salvation and the eternal salvation of those the Lord has put into my care? So just to ask ourselves the question, to bring that before the Lord. It's a very important thing for us. Jesus says, what does it profit a person to gain the entire world and to lose their soul? It profits, it profits us eternal separation from the Lord, worse than nothing. Right? And if we surrender ourselves to God's mercy, because as we're going through this, like, I'm not perfect, I need the Lord's mercy always placing ourselves at his feet, asking for his forgiveness, repenting of our sin, and trusting in his goodness, then the Lord moves mightily in our life. People around us begin to see that and experience that and are caught up 
to God's glory. Parents, if you don't feed, clothe, and educate your children, then the sheriff's going to come and put you in jail. But the greatest responsibility of a parent and the greatest responsibility of a friend is to help your children, to help your friends, to help those whom we come into contact get to heaven. a fundamental responsibility, cultivating within them the gift of natural and supernatural life that God has given them.